Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Good to see you this morning. And I hope that you're glad to be in the house of God today. And uh, we want to welcome everybody watching online. Thank you for tuning in. And um, we hope and pray that you'll feel as much a part of this as uh, we all do in this room here. And uh, if you're at home, I encourage you to get your Bibles out and get them open and lean into this a little bit and treat this a little bit less like Netflix and a little bit more like church and uh, kind of lean in and, and get a lot out of it. And uh, we just appreciate you tuning in. And it's good to see everybody here today. And uh, why don't you turn to somebody and say, you look better now than when we started service. Go ahead and tell them that. They need to hear that, I think. We are presently in a series, this is our second week, and the title of the series is Finding Your Missing Peace, and last week we talked about peace of mind, and in that message, uh, I dealt with, out of uh, Philippians chapter 4 in that message, I dealt with the four principles to kind of maintain that peace of mind in our lives, and the first point, if you remember, if you were here or If you weren't here, the first point of that out of that passage was the concept or the point of maintaining right relationships. If there's anything that can rob us of our peace, among the many things that can, are relationships that sour, that go south, that hit the skids, that go into trouble, that, you know, where we go through a hard time with somebody important in our life or somebody that's not very important in our life, but they've gotten on our nerves. And that can take away our peace of mind. And we talked about that. And I knew then that I felt like the Lord was impressing upon my heart to dig a little deeper in this idea of relationships. And so today, I want to talk about this idea of uh, peace in our relationships. And I've entitled this message, Peacemakers. And uh, there's a couple of different scriptures that I want to come from. So we're going to look at this together. Uh, First of all, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. So the title of this message is Peacemakers. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 to begin with, if you would, in your Bibles. And this is what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Look at those words for just a moment. Jesus said, blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now Jesus says, one of the defining characteristics of the people of God who follow me is that they are peacemakers. Boy, you guys are quiet today. Are you out there? Are you awake? Then... Let's look at James chapter 3, verses 13 and following. I want to begin there in James. James is the younger half-brother of Jesus, and he wrote these words in uh, James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not, buy, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, 
demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Look at that. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, just look at verse 1. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? That's what James says. Where's all the fighting and the fussing coming from? It's easy to look around you and point the finger. But James says, there's something in all of us. So Father, we invite you over these next few moments to speak to us clearly today. Some of us are missing our peace in relationships. And Lord, I just pray today that you would help us to discover how to step into being peacemakers. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says, Amen. Now Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. First thing that you guys, we, we all need to understand here is that Father God is the peacemaker. He's the peacemaker. The Bible said He made peace with us through the blood of the cross. We are no longer enemies of God. Why? Because God made peace with us through the shedding of His own blood, through the shedding of His Son's blood. Amen. And so, because God is a peacemaker, Jesus says to us, as children of God, we are going to be like Him. He's a peacemaker, and if I'm a true child of God... I'm going to be just like my Father who is in heaven. Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or daughters or children of God. Amen. So the point that I'm trying to make with that is that if we're going to live the truly blessed and happy life that the Lord has designed for us, we're not just here to be recipients of God's peace. We're here to be dispensers of His peace. Sometimes we're out of peace, not because the peace isn't there, it's because we're not living it out in our lives. We've got to learn how to step into the peace of God. I want to tell you something here today. You have, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit residing in your life. And the Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It's there. And if it's missing, it's not that it's not there, it's that we haven't stepped into not just the experience of it, but the dispensing of it. Come on. Amen. And so, it's important for us 
to have this sense of being peacemakers because relationships can be so difficult, whether they're intimate relationships of friend and family or they're social relationships of people around us, people that don't look like us, think like, think like us, vote like us, whatever the case may be. It's important that we, you know, we have this peacemaker mentality and begin to operate in it. Because on the one hand, relationships can be very fun and very exciting and very thrilling, or they can be very challenging and very exasperating, and we just don't want to have anything to do with anybody. Relationships require, listen to me, Paul said in Colossians 3.15, he said, he said, let the peace of God rule your heart. We need to have that kind of peace that has the overruling of our emotions and our mentality and our actions and our reactions. That's the kind of peace that we're told to walk in. Amen. When it comes to relating to others, I think there are at least four kinds of people. These aren't my main points, but when it comes to relating to others, I think, first of all, there are peace fakers. These are people who get offended, and then they pretend like they're not offended, and they're not hurt, but they secretly carry a grudge, and they never really can get to the place of forgiveness and really just being free because they're faking their peace. They're acting like they don't have a problem. No, it's all good. I'm good. You're good. No worries. But we're sitting around sulking and pouting. We're a peace faker. Then there are people who are peace takers. There are People, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life, and if you haven't, you're probably the person. Uh, but there are people who can dominate a room, and they can dominate a relationship by controlling the atmosphere and squelching the spirit of others. And, you know, it's kind of like they just suck the air right out of the room. They just rob the place of peace. You don't feel peace when you're in their presence. Then there are those who are peace breakers. And a peace breaker is someone who is so unhappy with their own life that they just can't leave it alone and they just can't let everybody else be happy. But in their mentality and in their spirit, they just bring the whole room down and they oftentimes will stir up trouble by very often by the way they talk and the way they communicate. They break the peace off. In uh, Proverbs 16, verse 28, the Bible says, A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. And that's what happens to a lot of people. So there are peace fakers, there are peace takers, there are peace breakers, but Jesus said, I want you to be a peacemaker. Amen. We're to be a peacemaker. We're where we, where we see the division, where we see the crisis, where we see the problem, and we step in, we want to... We want to bring healing to that situation. And I want to just say something real quickly. The Lord didn't call us to be peacekeepers. He said, I want you to be a peacemaker. A peacemaker gets to the heart of the issue. A peacekeeper will oftentimes just do whatever they can to keep peace. 
They don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want anybody to get upset. So they'll do whatever they can to keep peace. Instead of making peace happen, they just keep peace, which often means that they avoid the problem. They run from the problem. They don't face the issue. They placate people's feelings and emotions. And oftentimes a peacekeeper will compromise the truth just in order to keep people happy. Jesus didn't call us to that. He called us to a higher standard. And that's why I want to get back to what James says, because James gets real practical on helping us understand what it means to make peace happen in our relationships. And he talked about, if you remember in verse 18, he talked about sowing seeds of peace and you'll reap a harvest of goodness in your life, in your relationships. How many here want to reap a harvest of goodness in your relationships all around you? So we need to sow seeds of peace. And today, in the acronym, I'm going to use the acronym of peace. And this is a real practical message today, P-E-A-C-E. I'm going to use this to outline this idea of how to sow seeds of peace when in our relationships. So first of all, peacemakers, number one, whenever there's a problem, whenever there's an issue, whenever there's a situation, we need to plan to have a peace talk with that person. Now, I don't know how many of you in the room has have heard of this, but President Trump recently has been nominated three separate times because of, for the Nobel Peace Prize because of his part and his place in sitting with the nation of Israel and the Arab nation, Muslim nation, the uh, Arab Emirates, I believe is how you pronounce that. And uh, it's not really big in the news because there's so much other junk going on in the world right now. But he sat down with Israel and these other nations and he was able to work with them who have decades and decades and decades have fought one another, hated one another, couldn't get along together, and they have worked out some sort of an agreement and an accord that I read the other day, other nations that are further away are wanting to become a part of it. I mean, this is a wonderful thing. But you wouldn't know about it because it's put on the back page because other things are going on in the world. And they had these peace talks. And they got together. You know, when you have a crisis, when you have a problem, we can't avoid it. We can't run away from it. We can't just ignore it like it doesn't happen. We need to go after it. We need to plan this out. We need to pursue working our issues out and our problems out. This is what Paul taught us when he said in um, Romans chapter 14, verse 19, he said, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify one another. So he says, if there is confusion, if there's crisis, if there's problems, let's go after peace. And then Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, 
and then come and offer your gifts. So Jesus says, listen, if you're going to go worship the Lord, if you're going to go bless the Lord, if you're going to go get close to the Lord, and in the process of getting closer to the Lord, you recognize and realize and Remember, you got issues back here with somebody else and there's a division and there's a crisis in your relationship or there's a feeling of hatred going on there. If something's going on, if you want to have this going on with God, then you got to go take care of that. In fact, he said, leave your altar before the Lord and go take care of that and then come back to the altar. I can't tell you the number of times. I can tell you one in particular, but it happened more than once. I... Some little fussing went on in the home, and I walked out the door in a huff and a puff, and I got in my truck and was driving down the street, and all the while I'm going to the altar of my work of ministry, the Lord was like, you can't leave situations like that at home. (laughs) Made me turn my truck around. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. When there's a crisis, when there's a division, when there's a misunderstanding, when there's a a hurt, an offense, as, as far as you understand it and feel it in yourself, it's incumbent upon every one of us to plan a peace talk with that person. Ooh, I know you didn't come to church to hear this today, but so what? Amen. Now listen, successful peace talks require that we take personal responsibility for ourselves. It isn't about getting in their face about what they did, what they didn't do. The whole purpose behind it is I'm taking personal accountability for my own attitude and my own actions. When we walk into the room and when we come into this relationship, instead of showing up with our list of accusations, we need to fact check our own hearts. We need to find out what's going on in this. Listen, they may be 99% wrong, but you and I have got to go in it with the 1% fully open and on public display. That's what James was saying. Remember what he said in chapter 4, verse 1? James says, where do the wars come from? Where's the fighting coming from? Do they not come from stuff that's going on in our own hearts? That's what he said. But if you have your Bibles, I want to just go back over this again because in those first few chapter, in the first few verses of chapter 3 that we read, He really outlines it. It's about me dealing with me mostly. When I plan a peace talk, when I come to make things right, I've got to come in being personally accountable to my own state of mind, to my own heart. Amen. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by the good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. You know what meekness is? Meekness is not weakness. But it's power under control. Even though you may be more right, you understand that you're not perfect. Amen. And he says, But if you have bitter and envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Listen, be honest. Do you got some stuff going on in there? Is there some envy? Is there some jealousy? Is there some hurt? Is there some offense going on in there? 
Dig into your own heart. He says this wisdom, this kind of, they're the ones that are wrong, they're the ones that are problem. You know what he says? He says this wisdom, this wisdom right here does not come from God. It is earthly, that is, it's of this world. This is how the world feels. It's sensual, that is, it's of your flesh. It's not of the Spirit of God. And he said it's demonic. It's demonically pushed and driven. Ooh, I, I like James. He, he, don't, he don't pull no punches, amen. And he says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion And every evil thing is there. Listen, when in a relationship there's a struggle, there's a strife, no matter how close the relationship is or how distant you may feel it is, if we're going to be peacemakers, we got to set up some peace talks. And when we do... You come in bearing your own accountability and responsibility. Which leads me then to the second idea. This is real practical stuff. E means that when we get with them, we need to empathize with their feelings. To be a peacemaker means that we empathize with what they're feeling. In other words, we don't relate to people from an earthly sensual or demonic state of mind but we come in with verse 17 look at it he says but the wisdom that is from God is first pure everybody say pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield look at those words pure peace loving Gentle, willing to yield. This is how you approach a person in your life. This is how you approach that person who's your enemy right now. I don't need your amens. I'll just keep going. (laughs) What do you mean by pure? I'll tell you what he doesn't mean. He's not talking about sexual purity here. We know that that's an important concept in the Christian faith, but he's talking about motivational purity. You're motivated by a heart of purity. You come before them with sincerity, and then he said peace-loving, meaning you're courteous and you're considerate. And then he said be gentle, literally means that you're not going to be demanding. You're not going to exact your pound of flesh. You're not looking at the letter of the law. Willing to yield. Willing to yield. Look at those words. This word is the opposite of unbending, unyielded spirit. It's a willingness to be conciliatory, to be, to be one who will take the back seat, take a lower place, and just let them have the floor. Whew, this is hard stuff. Especially when you know you're right. Of course, you're always right. Listen. To be empathetic 
is to just understand where they're coming from. And if I, I can't understand where they're coming from, if I'm not willing to you, if I'm not gentle, if I'm not peace-loving, if I don't come with the heart of purity. Francis of Assisi said, if you want to understand somebody, or if you want, if you want to be understood, first you've got to seek to understand. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, basically where it concerns you. That's how Jesus came to you. That's how He looks at you. That's how He treated you. So Paul says, looking at it again, he says, don't look out for yourself, look out for others. Be empathetic. Understand what's going on in another person's life. You know, we are most like Jesus when we're focusing on other people over ourselves. You want to be like Jesus? You want to think like Jesus? You want to act like Jesus? You want to have the same heart of Jesus that He had? Then make it less about you and more about others. James, along now we're talking, still talking about empath, empathizing with their feelings. James says in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know what James is saying there? Just shut up and listen. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they feel. You say, well, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't, see, I don't think that they're, you know, I, I just think that they're being pushed along and motivated by the voices in their culture and people around them. You know, but just, just be quiet. Just listen. Just listen for a little bit. Be slow to respond. Be slow to, and listen, that means be slow to respond in your head. Just take, a, just take a pause, push pause just real quick, and just listen, just try to hear what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their world, what's going on in their worldview. There's something wrong, that, you know, that will expose itself a little bit later on, but just be quick to listen, slow to speak. Because if you're not quick to listen, and you're rash to speak, you're just going to keep anger stirred up. So we need to listen to a person's pain and perspective to understand what's going on. You know, there's, a, there's an old saying that says, hurting people hurt people. Well, if you want hurting people to stop hurting people, we've got to find out what's hurting them. Amen. And so we need to empathize. We're talking about being peacemakers, right? Got, we're missing our peace? It could be because we're not the peacemaker. Well, I just want God to give me peace. No, God wants you to be a peacemaker. And then you'll find your peace. So, plan a peace talk. Empathize with their feelings. Number three or A is attack the problem, not the person. 
you just said, there are just some people you just know you need to say some things to. That spirit really comes in at the person, not the problem. James said in James 17, if you have your Bibles, look there. He says, but the wisdom that is from above, this is what comes from the peacemaker, God, our Father. First pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Here it is. Look at these. Full of mercy. Full of mercy and good fruits. That's how you come in. Full of mercy. And ready to meet out the, the good fruit. Give it away. I, when I was thinking of the fruits, I, I couldn't help but think of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and meekness and self-control. You can control yourself. You can control your mouth. Amen. But I love that. He said mercy. You know what mercy is? How many thank God for mercy? Come on. Come on. Do you thank the Lord for His mercy? You know what mercy means? It means to be kind. And, and this word literally means to spare the judgment and the criticizing. You're merciful. You could say some things. But just because you could say some things doesn't mean you should. You don't have to just because you can. There's not always, there, 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 there's not always a reason to do that. And so, true mercy really comes in to affirm and accept the person instead of attacking them. We need to attack the problem and deal with the problem, and get to the core and to the heart of the problem, which in itself is painful enough sometimes, rather than attacking the person. So we come in with this affirming, that's, this is mercy now, this is the work of mercy and good fruits, we come in to affirm and accept the individual at the place they're at, even though they're not going to stay at that place or none of us should stay at that place. We need to keep going on. But part of the growth and a part of the healing in a person's heart is in the way that I come in and how I minister to them and how I work with them and how I relate to them in their life. It helps them get to the next phase of their life. And this is really important. Now you know you're attacking somebody instead of affirming them, when in the dealing with the issue and the problem, um, instead of listening to what they're saying, you're already thinking how you're going to respond to what they're saying. You know you're not thinking of that person. Don't even act like you are. You've already got, you're already got the next argumentation you've already got the next point you're just you're letting them say uh, you're doing the christian thing by letting them talk but you're already figuring out what you're going to say that's not affirming the person that's attacking the person and you know too you're attacking the person when you're wanting to 
you, you really want to make the point that they're really at fault. It's kind of the blame game thing. And I want to tell you something about the blame game. It's a waste of time. Anytime we're trying to fix blame, we're never going to fix the problem. The problem is never going to be dealt with. It's never going to be fixed unless we come at it with mercy. Amen. Full of mercy. Everybody say full of mercy. We need to be full of the mercy of God. And so that's how we come at it. And why this is so important that we not attack the person. Let me just, let me clarify a couple of things really quickly. If we attack the person, here's what we're doing to ourselves. Unresolved conflict blocks our fellowship with God. John, 1 John chapter 1 says, we have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And then in chapter 4, he says, you guys are saying I love God, but you hate your neighbor. And he just kind of threw it out there. Listen, you can't go around hating your neighbor whom you see and then say, I love God whom I never see. So John is basically saying to us that this is a fellowship in relationship with God issue. If I'm attacking the person, if I'm unforgiving of the person, if I'm not uh, accepting them and affirming them at the place that they're at, in order to build their heart up, I'm blocking my own fellowship with God. Here's another uh, problem with unresolved conflict is that it hinders our own prayers there's a hindrance to our prayers peter i don't even like the scripture in the bible i would if i had my way i would erase it out of the bible but peter said husbands do not mistreat your wives because you're going to hinder your prayers now, I think that goes for wives, too, if you want my personal opinion. But he was talking to husbands at the time. And Peter literally said, it's in the Bible, that the way you treat somebody in your life will hinder the prayers that you offer to God. I don't fully comprehend exactly how that plays itself out, I just know that it says it and that it's something that we need to steer clear from because, listen, I want answers to my prayers. I already feel like my prayers don't make it to heaven half the time. No, that's not, that's not entirely true, but you know what I mean. I don't need any help and hindrance. Here's another thing that it does when we attack the person instead of the problem is that it imprisons our own soul. Remember that parable where Jesus talked about a master called in his servant who owed him millions of dollars, let's say. Owed him a lot. And the guy fell on his face before his master said, there's no way I can pay you. Please, please pardon me and just forgive me of this debt. And his master forgave him. And then that guy turns around and goes out and finds people who owe him money. 
And they fall down before him. And they say, oh, we have no way to pay you back. And it wasn't anywhere near the sum that he owed his master originally. And he said, no, you're going to give me what I have. If you don't give it, I'm going to throw you into prison. And you're going to be, you're going to be tortured. And he delivered, him, he delivered those servants over to the torturers. And they were in prison. And then when the first master heard about what that guy had done to people, that he didn't do the same to them that he had done to him, he took that guy and he threw him into prison and said, now you're going to be tortured and imprisoned and Jesus said these words and it's sobering this is another one of those sobering scriptures Jesus said so my heavenly father also will do to each of you who from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses Whew, man Jesus didn't he didn't pull a punch he said if you listen in other words the whole point of the story is forgive as you have been forgiven God forgave you. God loves you. God accepts you. God affirms you. He doesn't excuse the stuff that you've done in your life, but He is willing to forgive you of it and let it go. And so in the same manner as He did for me, I must do for others. And the point about being thrown to the torturers and being thrown in prison is really basically saying we lock ourselves up in unforgiveness and bitterness and rage and just unhappiness in life. Blessed are the peacemakers. Happy are the peacemakers. We rob ourselves of the joy of God because of our own attitude toward other people. Listen. If you want to be, if you want to find your missing peace, you got to be a peacemaker. If you want to be a peacemaker, you got to plan to have a peace talk. If there's some conflicts in your life, empathize with their feelings when you get together. Truly understand what's going on in them. Attack the problem and not the person. See, we need then to communicate the truth with tact, everybody, with tact. Verse. Three, uh, verse 17, chapter 3, James said that the wisdom that is from above, and he says these two phrases, is without partiality and without hypocrisy. Let's just break those down for just a moment. The word partiality, literally, think of this, partisan. Where do we hear partisan a lot? Politics. Party. Party line, without partiality. The concept of the word is to, without judging, without finding fault, what do politicians do? On the commercials, <clears throat> they talk about <clears throat> how evil and all the wrong the other person has done and how they've done nothing wrong. The poor choices and the poor you know, the poor ways of doing things over here, but me, I've never made a mistake. That's partiality. So he says, the wisdom that is from above is without partiality, without party line. Oh, come on out there. And then he says, it's without hypocrisy. And literally, the word hypocrisy means to pretend to be something that you're not. That's what a hypocrite is. They're pretending to be something that they're not. We're the, 
hypocritos comes from. That's the Greek word where hip, hypocrisy comes from. And it was used of actors in the ancient times. And what actors would do on the stage is in those ancient times, they would wear masks over their face. And that's why that's, you see the, uh, for drama, they have the, the mask there. That's the, that's the emblem of, of drama in school and so forth. And what they would do is they would come out, out on the stage in one mask. And, and then they would go back and they would play another part and they would put on a different mask. They were being hypocritos. They were being hypocrites. They were not inwardly what they purported to be outwardly. Or in the same way, we are not always outwardly what we are inwardly. And we pretend, we put on masks. And so when you put this without partiality and without hypocrisy together, if you put these two ideas together, basically what he's saying to us is that we need to speak truthfully and accurately, tactfully. We need to be honest. We don't need to be, you know, highlighting our own ideas and making ourselves out to look good and better. We need to communicate the truth, communicate truth, But do it with tact. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. That we need to speak the truth in love. So that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So you want people to grow up? You want them to grow up? Then we need to speak truth. But here listen. But we need to do it motivated by love. We say the truth will set you free. But the truth needs to come in love. It needs to be packaged in love. It needs to be motivated by love. The truth is important. But it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Listen. This is something I've been learning over the course of my life. I'm still learning. If you speak offensively, it's going to be taken defensively. And that doesn't get us anywhere. If we speak offensively, it's going to be taken defensively. I mean, you know, the truth sometimes is bad enough. We don't need to give an unction with an offensive spirit. An unloving heart. I love Proverbs 15.1. I haven't mastered it, but I love it. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We got to come in soft. Heard that phrase, coming in hot? We need to come in soft. We need to come in with a softness. That turns wrath away. That shifts the atmosphere. That, that can turn a whole thing. That could, that, that could turn something on a dime. If we come in soft, but if we come in harsh, it's only going to stir the fire up more. I'm going to tell you something. We live in a world of conflict. I know we live, they call this civilization. Nobody's civil anymore. 
I mean, just watch the news. Just look at your... Don't do it now, but on your phone, media. I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's out there, man. There's just, and if you think differently, I mean, it's, it's, it's just harshness. There's no sense of softness. There's no sense of working through it, of talking through it. We just, <clears throat> is that what you think? Then you're the problem. It's not the ideology, it's not the thing that is wrong or off kilter, it's you. It's like we, we have this issue, but we make it about the person. We just come in hot, we just come in with harshness. It's crazy right now. In church, listen, we live in a society today that needs to hear the truth, but it's got to be communicated with love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says that we're to pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So what's, what's, what's the writer saying there? Let's be at peace, but let's not compromise our standards. But also being at peace is also walking in holiness. Amen. So maintain a, a heart and a life of dignity and workability. And because this is God's way. This is, his, this is how He operates. This is how He wants us to operate. Amen. I got one final thing and then we'll close this out. And then I won't ever talk about this again for a year. We'll give it a year. We need to E- emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. I love 2 Corinthians 5.18. It's the, it's the center point of the gospel. I love it. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled us. I mean, you thank God that He reconciled you. You know what the word reconcile means? It means to restore relationship. When you were born, you were born a sinner. You were not born a Christian. You were not born a disciple of Jesus Christ. You were innocent of sin. In other words, you didn't understand sin. You didn't, you, and you didn't come out of the womb committing sin, but it wasn't very long and you started committing sin. And as a sinner by nature, we were alienated from God, far from Him, but God in His great love and mercy, while we were in our sins, died on the cross for us, and through Faith in Jesus Christ and the shedding of His blood, we have been brought near to God and our relationship has been restored. And that same work of ministry that God has done on behalf of every one of us for every one of us is now our life. Not only in bringing people to God, but coming together in God. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Next time somebody says, what's your ministry? You just tell them, reconciliation. Because that's what really we're all about. Whether you're leading worship, preaching a sermon, taking out groceries, 
doctoring and nursing people, doing nails and hair. You're a minister of reconciliation. Amen. Restoring. Now let me just say this. Focus on reconciliation because you can't resolve every difference. It's just not going to, it's just not possible. And we need to understand, you know, uh, we may have disagreements, but we don't have to be disagreeable. We, there are things that, you know, I have brothers that I've prayed with over the years in town of other denominations and other uh, points of understanding about some theology. And we've never fussed or fought about anything personally. But I can fellowship with them. I can pray with them. I can unite my heart with them. In Christ, I don't need to make a point about how wrong they are. And how right I am. We're not going to resolve those theological differences, probably. Maybe some in some cases, but mostly we're not going to do it. But I need to come to a place where I'm just walking in the grace of God and seeking to be reconciled in relationship with them. Even in a marriage, in a marriage where, you know, there are some people who just find themselves getting, find themselves getting divorced. And sometimes I will say this, I know it takes two to tango, but I also will just say this, there are some, in some cases, there's one of them that doesn't want to work it out. And that's, and, I, and I'm not saying that the other person was all right and that person was all wrong. I'm just saying that there are places in a person's life and their heart where they walk through that very tragic time in their life and no one should come down on anyone who has gone through that pain. I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around how painful that must be. But there are some who don't want to work it out. They, sometimes there are things that cannot be resolved. I don't understand it. I, I'm not here to excuse it or to blame it. It's just that, that you can't always find resolution, but we can always come out of a place of full reconciliation within ourselves. And this is what, and I want to, see, I want to do this in closing. I want to read you some scriptures that help maybe let these, let these scriptures just kind of wash over our soul in this idea of being reconciled. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it's possible. Now, there there are some impossibilities where people are not, for whatever reason, they're going to hold to this attitude and they're going to take this way. But as for me, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in my peace. And I'm going to be at peace with them, even if they're not with me. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says, With all lowliness, check these words out, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Look at that word, bearing. Sometimes you got to grin and bear it. 
bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word bond literally means to hold together. And it's, it's used of the ligament, how a ligament will hold the structure of the body together, just binding itself to the bones, and it gives it stability and workability. He says, that's the kind of peace that we need to have. Toward others. And then Titus chapter 3. And oh how our, our world needs to hear this. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. To obey. To be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To be peaceable. Gentle. Showing all humility. To all men. Can I just say. Stand with me. If you've lost your peace. It's not that it's not there. In certain crisis and circumstance. We emotionally or in our heart of faith. We may feel like we've misplaced our peace. But I want to propose to you today. If there's peace missing in relationship. It's not that it's not there. It's that we have to step into it and make it happen. Just like He's the peacemaker, we're peacemakers. Amen. So Father, I just pray for every one of us here today as we leave. God, help us to go forth into this world and realize that we are peacemakers. We can make this happen. It's not in our own strength and according to our own wisdom. No, Lord, it's by your grace, by the power of your spirit residing in us and through us. But I just pray, God, in our relationships, in our homes, in our places of employment, and certainly in the world. God, that you would set us up to bring peace into peaceless situations. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.